Amen. It's great to see all of you today. Thanks for coming. I'm looking forward to this series. I have been for, for quite some time since Dave gave the green light. So, Dave, thanks for responding positively when I put you on the spot a few weeks ago. Uh, Patty, can I get that water? Uh, sorry, I, I'm notorious for leaving my water bottle behind. Um, <clears throat> But I, I'm really excited about this series. I'm excited w- about what the Lord wants to show us. I really, just so you know, you know, for me, this is like, this has arisen from what God is doing in me personally. So th- this is not a manufactured series, in other words. I have to confess, there's times when we preach series that feel more manufactured. You know, we, we've got to preach something, right? So we come up with something, and God blesses nonetheless. But this series is a little different because God has been doing something in my heart, and and I really can't tell you why. You know, somebody asked me the other day, what's the key? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't have a key. I can't explain it. It's just happening. Um, the, The only thing I can say is that as I get older, I get more desperate, you know, in a lot of ways, but just desperate to see God move, you know, God work in my heart and life and, and truly transform me like, like I've always wanted and prayed for and anticipated. And, and that sense of desperation has, has led to more desperate praying and more, more crying out to God than ever before. And, and so the Lord's just been doing something in my heart, and it, it is amazing, and, uh, and then kind of toward the end of the last few months here, more recently, uh, the idea of the Holy Spirit and His role in our life really became prominent in my thinking, so I think the Lord wants to, wants to bless all of us, um, not just me, so I, w- I want to preach about the Holy Spirit, and I want to refresh your memory for many of you, or maybe introduce to many of you the person of the Holy Spirit so that you might begin to know Him in a way that you have never known Him and therefore begin to experience a kind of Christianity and and even more so a kind of spirituality that you have never experienced before in your life. There's some pretty amazing things in the scriptures about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to kick off this series now. And I want to title this first sermon, Reset. Reset. So let me just explain what I mean by reset. You've heard that term used in terms of your technology and your devices, right? So if you have an iPhone or an iPad or a Samsung device um, and so forth, if, if your device gets a little goofy then you can do a reset. And sometimes you do what's called a soft reset, and that's where you just power off the device, and that's good enough. It comes back, and it's fine, and you can get on with your business. But sometimes you need to do a hard reset. And I'm thinking more in terms of hard reset in regards to this series and this message today on the Holy Spirit. A hard reset. Now, a hard reset it's where you go into the settings of your device and you tell it, hey, I want to reset my device to the day I bought it. I want to set it back to its factory 
uh, factory default settings. That's what I want to do. And, and, of course, you get all these warnings. Are you sure? Are you sure? You know, you're going to erase all this and erase all that. And, and, of course, if you know what you're doing and you're sure about it, you say yes. And so a hard reset happens. You do hard resets when things are kind of goofed up. Now, in regards to us in our church, please don't make the implication from what I just said that I think we're goofed up. Sure, we're goofed up in some ways. I mean, we're human, right? All humans are goofed up. All humans get things wrong. But, but I don't have any of that sort of thinking in relation to us in our church. I'm thinking more in terms of, of less versus more. You know, I'm thinking in terms of a spiritual existence that's maybe here that needs to be taken to here. So in terms of reset... That's the idea. It's, it's, it's more of a fresh look, if you will, and a freshness that I hope results for each of us as we push the reset button. So I hope that you're willing to do that with me. I know I've done it. I've done it several times in my life, actually, and I've done it recently. Hit the reset button. Lord, let's get this all squared away. Let's, let's go back and, and, and refresh, refresh me. Let's hit the reset button. So that's the title of today's sermon. If you want to fill in your blank, the title there is, I don't know if there's a place for it. And uh, as far as passages or text, the answer is yes. We'll be looking at text today. So in order to reset, let's rethink. Let's rethink. Let's take a, another look at the scriptures in regards to the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about the Spirit, as you see in the series title, we're talking about renewal. And you know that renewal is like this overarching theme in the Bible. There's other words for it. There's uh, regeneration, there's, there's rebirth and so forth. Uh, restoration you could use as well. But renewal is this overarching theme. Since Genesis, right, when, when the first couple fell into sin and uh, lost their relationship with God, ever since then we've been on this path of renewal. Now, um, move forward from Genesis and, and, and get into the nation of Israel and what God intended to do through the nation of Israel, right? God called out the nation of Israel and said, you know what, I'm going to use you as, as a kind of uh, renewal force, if you will, in this world. And other people are going to be blessed through you. I'm going to bless you, and then other people are going to be blessed. So renewal will come to the world through you. And, of course, we know the story of the Old Testament, right? That did not happen. I mean, it, it was not possible, actually, we find out, because of human nature. Because of human nature. So God starts making some promises about what he is going to do for the nation of Israel. And so I want you to look, first of all, at Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. We're going to have it on the screen here in case you want to read it there and you don't have a, a Bible with you. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 36, starting with verse 22. And just notice what the Lord says here in this passage. I was intending to turn there myself and, and read it from here since I can see it a little better. But what do you know? I can't find it. <laughs> just kidding. I can find it. <laughs> 
I don't know how much confidence I would have from a preacher who couldn't find a passage in the Bible. Uh, Here we go. Ezekiel chapter 36, starting with verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet, right? And so the Lord says to Ezekiel, say this to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. See, that's what's at stake, God's holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Now, he's not going to discount the nation of Israel, but he's going to work through them, even though they seem to be a failure at this. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. I'm going to clean you up. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. And notice this. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh. And by that he means a heart that's breathing, that's living, that's moving, that's active. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So God is saying, in essence, look, the old covenant's not working. So I'm going to give you a new covenant. We're going to establish a new arrangement. The old covenant, external by and large, is not getting it done. We need something that's going to go much deeper. In fact, we need something that's going to get inside of you and reorients you completely and totally. Forms and rituals and appearances won't get it. That's not what ultimately pleases me. What ultimately pleases me is a man or a woman after my own heart. And in order to be after God's own heart, then our heart has to get reoriented toward that particular goal. So God says, I am going to send you my spirit. My spirit. So, so think of it this way. Your spirit is going to be overridden. <laughs> you know, that thing that drives you, that motivates you, that causes you to make decisions, that thing that kind of controls you, your spirit, I'm going to override that. And it's a good thing, right? Because we know that in our own spirit, we don't seek God, right? We learn that. in the We don't seek God. We don't want God. We don't. We don't want anything to do with God. We go our own way. That is the essence of what it means to be a sinner. We choose our own way. So God says, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to send my spirit. And my spirit is going to override your spirit. You're going to die, in other words, to yourself one day. You're going to die in Christ. You're going to be raised in newness of life by my spirit. Now that is one Passage. Let's turn then to the right over to the book of Joel. This is a classic passage. Many of you have encountered it in the book of Acts, and we'll see it there in just a minute. 
But I just want, to, want you to see it. Joel is more than likely a prophet who's prophesying at the, or after the uh, exiles have come back from Babylon there in Jerusalem. So maybe more than likely a post-exilic prophet. And he, he's looking ahead. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting, right? They get sent off to captivity. And, and they come back, and it's a great and glorious thing. And you think, okay, now they're going to get it right. But ultimately, they really don't. I mean, they resort and, and, and fall back into a, to many of their old behavioral patterns and, uh, and so forth. And so uh, Joel is inspired by the Lord to look ahead even beyond this, this apparent time of renewal in the life of the nation. And he looks to the future, and he says in chapter 2, Verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So this is the promise of the Holy Spirit, right? Coming one day. Now, notice the distinction before we go any further about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament versus the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit was not and had not been poured out on everyone in the Old Testament. Only certain people were filled with the Spirit. And it seems like they were filled maybe for a task that they had been asked to do and maybe for a period of time. Um, Now, the Holy Spirit obviously was active in the Old Testament, right? I mean, He had to be. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's God and God, I mean, from... From Genesis 1, God is active by His Spirit, right? He's creating by His Spirit. So the Spirit is active, but the Spirit will be poured out in a greater measure in the New Testament upon people and God's servants, God's children, than it was in the Old Testament in a much greater way. In fact, the nation of Israel, by and large, were were the ones who received the Spirit for certain tasks and obligations and duties in the Old Testament. But when it gets to the New Testament, we're not talking about just one nation. We're talking about all flesh, right? So the Holy Spirit will be available and given to all of God's children, not just from the nation of Israel, but from all nations. And this is the promise that God gives. Now, I want you to move forward to... Just notice these verses. You don't have to turn there. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Now, this is Jesus speaking. This is at the, the that span of time between Jesus' death and his resurrection. He says this, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, of course, you know Luke writes the book of Acts also. So we see in Acts chapter 1, Jesus speaking again, Luke recording And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. See, John was an Old Testament prophet, really. He's in the New Testament, but he's really the last of the Old Testament prophets, in essence. Well, in some sense, Jesus is. But John the Baptist, he's ministering under that Old Covenant. He's baptizing with water. But the day is here. And Jesus says, listen guys, go. Go to Jerusalem and wait. So what's the first thing you're to do? Okay, 
after Jesus had, had met them, he's been resurrected, and, and now there's all this excitement that's been generated, no doubt. Maybe some sadness because he's leaving them, but he says, listen, listen, go to the city and wait on me. They understood it to mean pray, because that's what they did. They went to the city and they prayed, and here's what happens next. When the day of Pentecost arrived, now Pentecost, that's 50 days after after the crucifixion time span. So 50 days later, so not quite two months. The day of Pentecost arrived. They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they're there, they're praying. I think there's around 120, does it say that there? No, in a different place. But anyway, they're all there, they're gathered, they're praying, and all of a sudden, a sound appears. Like a mighty rushing wind. Now, not long ago, Patty and I had an experience where in the middle of the night, we came out of our beds, like bolted out of the bed, beds, (laughs) one bed. (laughs) Although I have to admit, sometimes when we're traveling and they got two beds, it's nice to sleep on two beds. It is, you know, like when you get older and stuff, you got more room. (laughs) But anyway, we're, we're sitting there and... And um, uh, we're sitting upright in our bed now. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And there is this wind, this, this incredible, enormous wind. I've never heard anything like it. Turns out it was supposedly straight-line winds. Did some damage and all. But they're there in this room, and, and a mighty rushing wind comes through, and it fills the entire house And then they begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. And so they are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a dramatic occasion, there's no doubt. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, look at this next part of Acts chapter 2. And this is Peter talking about what's happened. And he says, here's what's going on, guys. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. Now, where did you hear that before? That comes right from Joel chapter 2. So Peter is saying, hey, what has happened right now? What has just happened is what Joel was talking about. God said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And it's begun. It has begun. A few weeks ago when I preached, I talked about the dry bones passage. And that, that kind of just happened while I was preaching. I didn't plan on using that passage. In fact, to be honest with you, I've always been a little reluctant because I've I've heard a lot of people refer to that passage over my years, and 
it just seemed forced a lot of times, you know. It's a good passage to whip up people, in other words. You know, it's a great passage for that. So many times I steer away from that passage for that reason because I, I don't want anything to be manufactured. Like if you get excited, I want it to be from God. Well, anyway, while I'm preaching, that passage came to mind. And so, so I referred to it. And I could sense that there was a genuine connection that, that you who were here were having with that passage, that, that God, was, God was doing something. So this morning, you know, I, I'm, I'm praying. And I'm talking to the Lord. And I love it when God does this on Sunday mornings especially. Um, I, I, I read Acts 2 and I'm thinking about the promise coming to fruition in Acts chapter 2. And then all of a sudden I thought about Ezekiel 37, the dry bones passage. And, I, and, it, and it dawned on me that this in Acts chapter 2 is the fulfillment also, not just of Joel chapter 2, but of Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. That vast army coming to life by God's Spirit. In fact, I want us to read it together now. Now, in this passage, I, I did write down a page number. It's 794 in my Bible. So, Ezekiel, actually that's not true. Ezekiel chapter 37, okay. Right, we're going to read, I think it's like 14 verses here. It's not on the screen. Okay, so if you don't have your own Bible, just let me read it to you. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Again, we're talking about a prophet, a prophet that's, that, that's giving promises to a nation that has lost touch with God. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit. Okay, so this is like a vision. And he set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. <laughs> then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to, those, or to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath. Now remember, the Greek word behind the word spirit is pneuma, which is the Greek word for breath. I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and, you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied, as I prophesied, there was a sound, behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. So they're, they're just standing there. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. 
prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, this is what Israel says, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Is that one incredible passage or what? <laughs> I mean, now, that prophecy is for God's people, okay? Certainly, the nation of Israel was God's people, or God's people was inside the nation of Israel. But guess what? You know what you and I are today? We are God's people. A Jew is not one who is one outwardly. A Jew is one who is one inwardly. And circumcision is not outward, it's inward, it's of the heart. We are, you and I sitting here today, we are sons and daughters of Abraham. We are the nation. We're the nation of God. We're the New Testament community that God always envisioned. We're the people of Israel. This prophecy is for us so that, so that when we're here as a church of the living God, we're here as God's people. And God is saying these words. Our takeaway should be, you know what, God? We feel like that sometimes. We feel just like a bunch of bones, just, just laying there lifeless, dead, all dried up, no hope, it's too late for us, God's done with us, you know, sometimes as an older guy, I, I can think that way, personally myself, it's too late, that's a lie, you want to know why, it's because of renewal, God told the nation of Israel, listen, I will restore to you what the insects have destroyed. He makes a promise to the nation of Israel in this valley of dry bones. Yes, yes, you're dead, but guess what? I will raise you to life. And how is he going to do it? By his spirit. Now here's, here's probably the best kept secret in the evangelical church, at least in some parts. 
You know what 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and also 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says? You know what it calls you? A temple. It goes, it goes on to say, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. When you became a believer, God sent His Spirit into you. He took control of you on that particular day. And His Spirit lives in you. Right now, I'm looking at ever how many temples, ever how many representations of the Holy Spirit. These are not my words. It's the words of Scripture. Now, if you think about that for a while, that will just blow you away. So, in other words, like, do you get it? All this that's been talked about and all this has been promised by the Father, it has, it has happened. And so that now, you sit here as the fulfillment Can I get a witness? Isn't that incredible? You are the fulfillment. Now, what does that mean? Okay. Here's the last slide, or the last section. Reposition. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Let's stay there. (laughs) It's my fault. Here's what all this means. Do not attempt this by yourself. That, that is the message, and, and so let me reshape this just a bit, okay? God, in essence, has said in the Old Testament, listen, we've tried this, you've tried it, you tried to keep my covenant, and you haven't been able to do it, but I'm going to get it done. I'm going to come, and I'm going to indwell you, and I'm going to do it in you and through you, by my spirit. We're going to get it done by my spirit. And so when you look at what happens in the New Testament, the beginning of the book of Acts, the spirit comes as promised. You are temples of the Holy Spirit. And then what follows is this incredible account of history regarding the first church, the New Testament church. And I've got a whole series of verses that I could, I could give to you now. Out of Acts, how God worked to establish His church. And, and the message is clear. The church will not be built by human effort. The church will not be built by human power. You personally will not be built by human strength and human power. So do not attempt this by yourself. You know, see those commercials, don't, don't attempt this at home. You know, this is just for professionals. Church is not for professionals. Church is for ordinary people empowered by the professional, by the Holy Spirit. So, so this is the message we're getting here. Do not attempt it on your own. Now you say, well, let me read a verse to you first. Zechariah chapter 4. We don't have time to explain 
all that's going on here, but I'll just briefly tell you. You know, after the Israelites came back from their, their time of exile in Babylon, the, um, they were there 70 years. They came back to their homeland, and, and their homeland kind of looked like the graphic that we've got for the series, just a parched, dry land. I mean, it was, it was devastated. The Babylonians so destroyed the temple that, that it was taken apart all the way down to the bedrock. There was no foundation left there for the temple where they worshipped. And so Zerubbabel is the one who is going to rebuild the foundation. And so there's, there's all these obstacles, right? There, and There's just a land of devastation that they've come back to. And Zechariah is a prophet, and his job is to encourage the people who are going to be doing the rebuilding, in this case Zerubbabel, and he says this to Zerubbabel, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how this foundation is going to be rebuilt. So, what we need to do then if we need to do it, and I think we do, is reposition ourselves. We need to reposition ourselves after this rethinking. We need to hit the reset button and say, okay, Lord, ask ourselves some honest questions. Have we really been trying to do this work in our own strength? Have we really been trying to build this work of renewal. You know, that's why we're here, right? To see people renewed. Believers, non-believers. Have we really been attempting this in our own strength? Or are we leaning on you? Now, I would imagine most everybody feels that they are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, in general, that is. Uh, we, we got the Holy Spirit. We know He's living in us, and we know, you know, he, he does His thing. But interacting with the Holy Spirit is a different story. We, we hardly do that, I believe. So this idea of active dependence on the Holy Spirit is a different story. Now, you just acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is living in you and He's there with you is not enough. It's not enough. And here's why. Jesus said on one occasion, you have not because you ask not. Right? You're like, well, what is that all about? He says, ask and you will receive. Knock and it will be open. You see, doors don't get open without knocking. You don't get things without asking. That is how it works. And why does it work that way? Because you need to understand your dependency constantly. You need to understand where life comes from constantly. God wants you connected with Him constantly. God wants us relating to Him in an interactive way. And so we're told 
like, so in other words, in Acts 2, they're filled with the Spirit, but yet we're told in Ephesians that we should, we should be filled with the Spirit. So that, that's like years after the initial filling. Be filled with the Spirit. We're told to walk with the Spirit. We're told to keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. If you are going to be renewed, if you are going to experience a level of spirituality that results in your heart being transformed, your heart becoming one of flesh, your heart becoming one that beats after the very things of God, then you're going to have to walk with the Spirit because God has sent His Spirit to accomplish that in you. You're going to have to relate to the Spirit on a level that maybe you're not accustomed to relating to Him. Now, the Spirit doesn't have His own agenda. Really, we're told in John 14 through 16 that the Spirit comes to testify of Jesus. That's why He is here. But bringing you closer to Jesus is the answer. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in each of us. That's what He wants to do in you. And that's what He wants to do in our church. Here's the last thing I want to say before we go into communion. Do you know what one person who is full of the Holy Spirit can do? Do you know the difference that just one person can make who is full of the Holy Spirit, who really takes this seriously, who, who seeks the Lord and asks Him for, for everything He can give Him or her? Well, look at Jesus, right? Look at the Apostle Paul. Look at Peter. These are people that were raised to, to levels that, that they did not possess naturally. They were able to do things that they did not have the power and strength to do. And as a result, the people around them were transformed. So just imagine with me for a minute a church that's transformed by People, individuals who, who are full of the Spirit are people who are getting full of the Spirit so that the things of God become more important than anything else in this entire world. I know, I'm, I, I know the time. I'm about to stop. So. I know we got communion. But just let me just drive this point home. We so desperately need the, the Spirit. This is not a human venture. The church is not a human venture. It is not a natural thing. It's made up by a bunch of natural people. But if we're going to do great things for God, we need the Holy Spirit. Now let's just give, I'm just going to give you one example, and then I'm done. Okay? The thought occurred to me the other day, now, and I, I'm talking about me too, because I pastored this church before. You remember that passage in, in Acts chapter 2 we were looking at? And it said that, uh, and your, your young men will 
dream dreams or see visions and that sort of thing. You know, I think that's pointing to just the incredible creative enlivening that will happen when the Holy Spirit falls on a group of people. But I started thinking about young people. You know, and our young people just went on a trip and, and so forth. And then I saw some other young people the other day where my daughter's going to church. And I was just like, oh, man. And, and I mean, my daughter said to me, I'm so thankful for what God's doing in my daughter's life. I'm just blown away. I'm like, she said to me, like, a few weeks ago, you know, she just got married, and, and she says, Dad, Sam and I are actually talking about maybe being missionaries one day and going. And she, I don't know what she said after that. I got stuck at the word missionary. And it's not maybe the way you think, okay, because I don't think that way. I don't think, oh, God, no, not my daughter, no, keep her close, Lord, Pennsylvania's far enough, I don't think that way, I'm, th- I'm, I'm leaping inside, I'm like, hallelujah, this is incredible, you want to be a missionary, maybe, you know why, because it speaks toward a level, a level of God's activity in her life, the Spirit working at, at such a place in her that she is willing to give up everything. And I'm like, that, okay, whether she becomes a missionary or not, that's up to God, right? What I'm more interested in is the work of the Spirit on that level in her life. And then I thought this, God, please do not let me live and die in this church and never have heard one young person in this church stand up and say, I want to be a missionary. Why do young people just plan their lives and just just go off and pursue some career without any thought for God and what He might want to do in their lives? Now, that may not be you, young person. You might be different. But it happens. All the time, just career planning and career planning. Just want to make money. Career plan, but not apart from God, right? The Spirit of God. What does He want to do in your life? What does He want to do with you? Where does He want to take? How does He want to use you? Old person, what does He want to do with you? Are you thinking you're all dried up and it's over? It ain't over for me. I want the next 20 years of my life to be the best 20 for the Lord. Whatever you want. Holy Spirit, fill me. What is the sign of the Spirit filling us? Well, there might be a number of things, but you know the most important thing? Is you getting gutted, right? You getting gutted so that He he is in control, so that Christ is on the throne. And you're like, all of me for all of you. From the inside out, whatever you want, Lord. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be who you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. That's all that matters. Nothing else in this world matters. And we'll know it one day when we stand before the Lord and we stand in His presence. Nothing else matters but the kingdom of God. You have been called to be servants of the living God, and He has given you His Spirit to serve Him. 
Bible says he's jealous for his spirit. He's jealous for his spirit. He's serious, in other words, about the investment he's made in you. Let's pray. Please bow your heads. Father, I praise you for your presence among us. Lord, you are a great and awesome God, and you speak to us by your Spirit. And I would imagine that right now, you are speaking to all of us. And Father, I include myself in um, all of us. I pray that by your Spirit, you would recapture us. You would reposition us. You would renew us, Lord, to the very purpose of our existence, to why we're here, and that we would stop fooling around with the world and playing games with the world, Lord. Purify our hearts of love for this world and fill us with your Spirit. I don't want to be double-minded, Lord. We repent of our sins. We repent of our double-mindedness. We repent of our idolatry. We lay it at your feet, Father. We repent for grieving your Holy Spirit who has been given to us but has struggled to transform us because, because maybe we've resisted and withstood him and had to be drug along. Lord, we, that's not what we want. We repent of our sins before you. We confess them. We repent of them, Lord. We ask that you change us. Purify us. And Lord, we're so thankful that we can pray that way because of your son, Jesus Christ.